Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, the series that highlights the people, the companies, and the technologies that are shaping the future of retail. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Rosenga. And today we are turning our attention to the always present topic of data in retailing. Data, 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 Ann. Yes. I know, right? Every pundit kept saying it at NRF, but no one really had any advice for how to actually go about doing it the right way. No. They had some suggestions. Yes, a few suggestions, a few like high level suggestions, yes. I would say. But so in that regard, today we are turning our spotlight on a true expert on the subject, particularly as it relates to data and the topic of identity resolution. And perhaps the man with the best alliterative name in the history of our show, something I'm quite proud of, Bill Bruno, the CEO of, CEO of Celebris. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. And I think, uh, unfortunately, my real name will will kill the alliteration because it's oh, very, wow, really? very Italian. And my my real name is Garino. So that that ruins the alliteration. Wait, what's the backstory there? Your real name's Garino? Your real last name's Garino? No, my, my last name is Bruno, uh, but okay. my legal name is Garino. Um, and the main Garino reason it's Italian. Garino Bruno. Garino yeah. Bruno. Wow, that's super yeah, Italian. Yeah. Oh, it is. And the middle name's Luigi. So we could really go down a rabbit hole here. Oh um, my but, god! Uh, yeah. So you're in Chicago. <laughs> I gotta ask too because this this has some personal anecdotes to me too. But yeah. you're 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 in Chicago. Are you full like South Side Italian Chicago or like what's going on here? Yes, yes, sir. Grew up on the South Side of Chicago. Grandfather lived in the the Bridgeport neighborhood of Chicago. So that that's where I was born and raised. The avid Sox fan. All of the things that come with that. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, you're talking to a Judici uh, who was my my grandfather's a Judici from from that part of the world too, sort of that from oh, that neighborhood wow, literally. Cool. So yeah, that's crazy. Is wow. that oh, wow. why he got into the selling of the the reselling of the snacks that we were talking about yeah. the other day on the Fast Five? Yeah, yeah. probably probably it probably started from uh, it's all how those Italians used to make together. money back it's in the day. Yeah, yep. little little did you know that this talk about data and retail would bring all of that together for you. Right. <laughs> well, Bill, what? I had an Italian beef sandwich. Which I think I'd, 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 That's right. I'd have the whole thing covered. But um, well, Bill, why don't we start off by giving you giving us a little more background, not specifically on your Italian Chicago heritage, <laughs> but about you and about Celebris. Sure, absolutely. So Celebris makes offers that people can't refuse. No, um, so Celebris, <laughs> Celebris as a as a platform. Um, so. I've been with Celebris for about four years, but I've worked with the platform for probably about 20 going back to my consulting days. And mm. what we do is something very, it it sounds very simple. It ends up being very complex at the end of the day, but we have two platforms. We've got one for consumer context and one for fraud. On the consumer context side, it's trying to help basically build positive experience for consumers, which in the end of the day, if those go well, generate more revenue for businesses, right? Tracking how you interact with websites, mobile devices, things like that, and trying to help you with whatever it is you're trying to accomplish or purchase. Um, on the fraud side, it's pretty much the exact opposite, but a lot of it is similar data. It's more about protecting the consumer in that world. So it's taking all of that data to then make sure that it's actually you before that purchase happens, or if somebody's gotten access to your account or your payment information um, or one of your devices, you know, giving you and the brand a fighting chance of being able to say that's not you and, and try to stop that from happening and all the annoying things that happen after that if somebody, you know, gets access to your credit card, as an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for the purposes of today, we want to, we, we, we called you or asked you to come on the show really to talk about the former in that yeah. specifically. So, you know, and, and I mentioned it before, but we wanted to center the today's topic around data and the idea of identity resolution. But yep. 
So what do we mean when, when we say that phrase identity resolution, can you set the guardrails for the audience on that phrase? Yeah. Cause it, it can get really confusing, right? Kind of like when you're at, when you're at NRF and everybody talks about data, but everybody's definition of what that is, is probably something different, right? right. Um, with identity resolution, you know, in the real world, we can look at each other, you could see IDs and you can confirm who someone is, right? You go through mm -hmm. an airport, you can scan, Great you know, point. people's fingerprints and eyes, you know who they are. When you start talking about digital, you don't have that opportunity. It'd be quite creepy if somebody came up on the screen every time you tried to make a purchase and they're trying to scan your eyes, right? So it, <laughs> it's it's more about um, understanding and trying to remember who someone is, whether they're anonymous or logged in or somewhere in between, to be able to better understand perhaps their previous interactions with you as a company, their previous purchases, um, and to be able to use that in the moment to try to direct somebody down a path that perhaps they started previously or to cross-sell them or upsell them on additional products based upon things they've purchased from you before. And at the heart of all of that, it's basically just trying to identify who your consumer is on that device in that moment. So Bill, what what happens then when we're talking about identity resolution and retailing in, in 2023? Like explain a little bit more like what that's what retailers are able to do with that knowledge. Yeah. And I think um, I think it's probably best to describe it as what retailers aren't able to do anymore. Yeah. Oh, um, great. So, okay. so, you know, I think it's been really interesting over the last couple of years because this topic has kind of gone a lot of different directions and it's largely been forced by some of the bigger organizations that have made decisions. So like Apple, as an example, with their intelligent mm -hmm. tracking prevention, browser uh, browsers like Mozilla with their total cookie protection, right. basically a lot of the third party data sharing environment in, in terms of how advertising used to really operate. And so when you came from a, from a website or you had seen ads before, you could kind of piece together the journey. So I would know that you looked at that pair of shoes or I would know that you saw an ad for, for golf clothes before you came to the site, right? And all of that has kind of fallen apart with all of these new regulations. You know, the reliance on that data sharing is gone. And so the reason why identity resolution or digital identity or however you want to phrase it has become so important is because it really focuses on what brands can do in the channels that they own and control. So the stores, the websites, the mobile apps, you know, the, the call centers, et cetera, mm -hmm. and how they best bring that together, knowing that a lot of that data sharing is gone to still try to deliver that expected experience from a consumer perspective. And that takes it, it gets even worse or even more complicated for marketers when you factor in all the privacy legislation, particularly here in the US, um, because where everybody else is kind of aligned on a similar policy like GDPR in the States, it varies based on the state you're in. And that's really difficult for brands. It's really difficult for consumers and it's causing probably more confusion than it is helping. Right. So Bill, expanding on what Ann was asking too, I'm curious then, you know, we've heard a lot, you know, on our, on our show, we've talked about those topics a lot, that the, the, the changes really that we've seen in the last few years around, mm -hmm. you know, identifying customers for retailers, but what are some of the keys that help, you know, companies get around those issues? Like what sure. are some of the key things that really aid in identity resolution in this day and age? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. I think there's a few building blocks that, that we like to talk to customers about. Okay. You know, first and foremost, if you're thinking about your own channels, it's how you how you set a first party cookie or identifier versus a third party, because third party is what has been blocked and restricted. The second is how do you cast a wide net? Because they can identify us in many ways, right? It could be our login, it could be a phone number, it could be an email address. And so there's the concepts of, of an identity graph, 
right? Mm -hmm. Having an identity graph that houses all of these different identifiers so that if you're on a device and you use one of those identifiers, they could quickly link it back to your overall profile, right? Of the data that they've collected. And then I think the final uh, or the two final building blocks to, to consider is uh, one is how to get through some of the challenges. So a lot of the existing restrictions, if you're using some of the older ways of trying to do this, are blocked. So if you go from one web domain to another, you know, let's say you go from, you know, uh, Amazon.com to smile.amazon.com as an example, right. um, you're two different people. They can't share that information, even though it's the same domain. Um, so you have to think through how you're going to manage that, because if you're losing the identity through the web, which has become extremely, you know, fragmented to that point, you've got marketing landing pages, you've got mm -hmm. specific campaign landing pages, then you're already fighting a losing battle. And then the final bit would be, if you can solve for all of that, how do you package up a profile about that user in that moment to use it? Um, whether you're using it in your channels or whether you're using it to funnel to Hulu for your advertising buys, right? And to update segments and purchase information and personas and things like that. And and how do you at so how do you how do you at Celebrus do all that then? Like what what's all involved there? Yeah. So so see, this is where I normally when I'm doing these things, I try to avoid the sales pitch. So I'll keep this one very simple and say yeah. that everything I just mentioned, we offer and solve for. Um so so Celebrus as a platform for for marketers is a first party solution that they own and control. They don't mm -hmm. send data to us. Okay. Uh, we've got, I think 17 patents now, something to that effect okay. in terms of how we manage identity, how we provide the ability to persist that across the domains and channels. We offer a full featured identity graph built into the product. You don't have to pay for it. It just comes with it. Um, and we offer the ability to build those profiles and connect it to any system you want. Um, so for retailers, you know, that are using Salesforce that are maybe using Snowflake or Teradata or Pegasystems or Adobe or all these platforms that they've got out there that largely are starved for better data, we're the ones that come and put the food on the plate for them, right? And by, by way of better data, more consistent information and kind of solving that identity problem so that those solutions can do what they're supposed to do and deliver positive results for the brand. One thing I want to ask you too, Bill, is like... <sighs> There's been a lot of talk and I've been hearing a lot about like the real time approach to this problem versus yep. say um, after, I don't know, better way to put it than an after the fact approach to the problem. And particularly sure. in personalization, like there's the traditional, you know, if I bought this, then I'm going to, then you might want to buy this. Yep. But what you're talking about here fundamentally saw allows retailers to capitalize on that personalization effort in a much different way. Right. And so like, can you expand upon that? Because I really want to understand What's yeah. involved? What retailers need to know to take that more real-time approach mm -hmm. to their personalization efforts? Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a great question, right? I mean, I think words like real-time have almost become a misnomer because everybody yeah. says they're real-time, right? So, so you, you go through an RFP pitch as a brand, you're going to hear the same thing from everyone, right? And so it's, it's kind of like peeling back the onion. You've got to get down into a few layers to kind of understand what that actually means. And for a lot of technology that retailers are using today, um, it's, it means you're getting portions or very small pictures of data available in the moment, but if you need any of the valuable stuff, like remembering the profile or building that identity, it's going to happen later mm -hmm. and consumers don't have patience for that. Right. I mean, think about how quickly you can make a purchase right now. I mean, I just walked out of one of those Amazon go stores earlier and didn't even have to stop. Right. It just suddenly right. just charges you for everything. You know, so you've got the split second attention span. You're jumping through your mobile app. You know what you're trying to do. 
they've got that just that very small window to intervene with you. So if you're dealing with solutions that are going to give you something in minutes, let alone hours or days, then it's not the right solution for your business. And you know, this the the examples existed for a long time, right? You you buy a pair of shoes as an example, and that same pair follows you for like two days. <laughs> you know, even though you already bought it, maybe longer, right? <laughs> maybe longer. And the whole reason that is, is because the data that's coming from their websites and mobile apps is only updating at best 24 to 48 hours later. Huh. And then that has to cycle through the whole system right. before it actually updates that you purchased those shoes, right? That now, just happened to me actually. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. With an Adidas shirt I bought. No, no joke. Surprise. Yeah, I know. Right. Shocking. <laughs> But no, I literally did. I'm like, why am I seeing this? Because like ESPN, yeah. I go go on ESPN. It shows me the shirts I've just bought. It's crazy yeah. every time. But sorry, no. And and it no, it's no, it's a it's a good anecdote because it it just it's waste, right? Yeah. I mean, advertising and marketing is hard enough as it is. Yeah, you know, there's so many brands and right. so many to so many ways to interact with a brand uh, to try to keep up with it. But you know, those are the types of things when we get engaged with customers. It's hmm. it's just as much about the value as it is you know in terms of building those experiences as it is about suppressing things, right? How are you going to mm -hmm. stop wasting money showing me something that I already bought? Show me the next thing I should buy. Yeah. The waste must just be immense. I mean, I think about, like you said, 48 hours of ads that are following yeah. me around. It yeah. gets to, that's like, it's gotta be incredible. I know when you get down to it. I know. I, I mean, it, it, depending life. on the size of the retailer, it can be massive, right? I mean, the marketing and advertising budgets are generally larger than most R and D budgets in a, in a business. And, you know, for one customer, that we just worked with not too long ago, they, they did some sort of paid paid media spend analysis and optimization, mm -hmm. and they cut their spend by about 15%. Uh, there was millions of dollars for them in savings by just speeding it up. Well, right. let, let's dive into that a little bit more and about getting retailers and brands onboarded with mm -hmm. Celebris and how, like, what does that process look like, Bill? And, and mm -hmm. I imagine it sounds like in a relatively short amount of time, they're able to see a return on the investment here. If, yeah. you know, if they're cutting back spend significantly or they're able to because of this technology. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, we, we focus on the platform paying for itself in the first 90 days, which a lot of vendors say, um, but we actually do try to deliver on that. Right. And, you know, in terms of deploying Celebrus, we can host it for them. They can host it in their environment. Um, it's not uncommon if we're hosting it to have a client up and running within a few days of signature um, and starting to capture data and starting to use it for specific use cases. So that's why it can be quite quick for, for consumers. And we have sort of point uh, or sort of very uh, focused versions of our product. So for example, retailers that are using Salesforce Marketing Cloud, which a lot of them are, if they just want to drive good first-party identity and, and attributes into the Salesforce Marketing Cloud, we launched an engineered integration with Salesforce uh, that we worked on with them for about 14 months that we launched about a month ago. Um, and that implementation spins up in hours if they sign up and data is flowing into their Marketing Cloud pretty much immediately from, from the time they sign up. So they can start to use it to activate these campaigns. What what's most surprising that retailers are finding right away? I mean, I, I I'm so curious, like once they start seeing that data come in, mm -hmm. what what changes are they able to make quickly? Like what what other anecdotes sure. do you have from your experience with the, the brands you've worked with? 
you know, I think the first thing that that retailers notice with ours, with our platform when they deploy it is, you know, when you go to a website and you go to a retailer website, they're the most innovative when it comes to building out experiences, you know, try before you buy, you know, the saving your cart, having your closet there of the clothes you've already purchased, all the sort of nuanced new tech usually shows up in retail first for anything for digital experiences, right? Mm -hmm. But they're extremely difficult to track interactions within. And the technologies that they're usually using require all kinds of coding and tagging to do that. Whereas Celebris doesn't, we're tag free. So you deploy our technology and every interaction is captured on day one. So if you're a retailer and you just wanna know somebody comes in and they self-select into something um, and we wanna trigger a campaign off of that, but they haven't been able to do it because they haven't been able to code for it or build that, build that up or six to 12 months from now, they come up with a great idea and they hear, well, well, we didn't tag for that data. We don't have that information. Sure. That all goes away with Celebris. Um, and so the first realization for retailers is that they have way more data at their fingertips than they could ever want in that moment, mm -hmm. but that it's there when they come up with something cool that they want to do or, or a new use case that they want to trigger for their consumers. It's funny you said that because I was going to ask you next. I was curious about like, I was curious about the possible here too, you know, like yep. I, what... So we talked about like you can speed up the per you can speed up your personalization efforts like the Adidas example I gave. Yeah. Um, what else can you do with your personalization efforts that mm -hmm. maybe haven't been tried before or an, are an untapped opportunity for retailers when you start to yep. think about it? What are some examples that you can share in that regard? I'm curious because this is kind yeah. of fascinating. You know, it it there's there's a few things I'll probably call attention to. I think one is. If you're trying to change something on the website or the mobile app, it's really difficult to get that change delivered before the person moves on. Um, they call it kind of the last mile of, of AB or multivariate testing. Mm. Um, so Celebris can deliver the content for you. So if you've got something you want to do and you have an experience you're watching for, maybe it's you want to see people that have been to the site three times in the last two weeks and haven't made a purchase and you want to mm -hmm. prompt them with a, with a coupon or something mm -hmm. simple like that. Mm -hmm. You can set those rules in Celebris to where it'll do it for you and it'll mm -hmm. measure whether or not it's used and interacted with so on and so forth. For retailers that have brick and mortar, you probably want to know if I'm on the website and I'm looking at something, you might want to know if I was in the store and purchased something related to that item. So being able to pull in from other internal systems from other point of sale systems mm -hmm. or et cetera, to complete the profile of an individual can be really valuable. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say the, the third thing that comes through is all of this, as you're packaging it up, can be used to build some really segmented campaigns that perhaps right now they're going to larger groups of people because they're finding it difficult to kind of drill down deeper. Mm -hmm. But if you have the level of data that we provide, you can get pretty granular. And if you want to, you could get to one-to-one. -to -one. Um, and that is, I think, an extremely powerful, powerful thing, because if you read any study from Forrester or Gartner, you kind of get two things, right? One is mm. consumers want you to respect their privacy or their wishes for, with data. But then on the flip side of that, they also want a personalized experience and they want to know that you care about them. Mm -hmm. So to fight that, that's that's where Celebris, that's where we spend most of our time is helping brands do that. Right. And that's the holy grail to that one to one. But I'm so well, you got me my mind going now in the future. So like what's. <laughs> What's next? Like, what's what's kind of if the, if that's the here and now? Like, what's next? What's on the horizon of where things are going to get to that point? So we took a step. I'm glad you asked that because we took a step into the what's next. You've probably seen a million articles, given what you guys do on a daily basis, around cookie-less solutions and yep. what do you do with, with the death of cookies? There's all that clickbait stuff that mm -hmm. they throw out there, right? Right. Um, so we decided to actually deliver on that. 
Um, so you, people are opting out, right? You go in, you block cookies, or you you don't accept cookies, or you're on a browser that restricts it for you. Um, when that happens, the lights go out, right? So for a brand, they're not able to collect any data. They're not able to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And they're not able, more importantly, to kind of self-select you into any of these experiences. Um, so we thought to ourselves, we've got clients that were coming to us saying 30, 40, 50% of people, depending on the market they're in, um, were opting out. Yeah. So what do you do? So we designed a cookie solution. It's called CX Vault. Um, and basically what it does, if you go to a website and you opt out, two things happen. We have a machine learning algorithm that downloads onto the browser of that individual for that domain. And there's a set of rules that go with that machine learning. And basically it generates signals of interest based on the context or the content you're viewing or the products you're viewing. And you can use those signals to then trigger rules that change the experience. It never collects data. It doesn't set a cookie. They'll never know who you are. The data is never shared and it's owned completely by the consumer but it gives the brands a fighting chance when the lights are out to turn a few of the lights on to help them navigate through the house. So basically it's like, so basically like I'm unknown. So if I paraphrase what you just said, so I'm, I show up on the retailer's website, I'm unknown mm -hmm. to them at that time. Yep. And, but then the machine learning that goes on in the background can then still personalize an experience to me in real time using that mm -hmm. phrase again, <laughs> that is still somewhat tailored to knowing me through the data and information that you can still glean from that person's behavior on the website. Am I saying that the right way? Am I leaving you, any key points? No, you, super clear no, you nailed, yeah. you nailed it. And, and if, I think the, Oh, go ahead. What if their browser history is cleared? Like, are they still, so, does that, does that impact the amount of data that you're able to collect about them? So because we're matter? never, so because we're never collecting data, it doesn't ultimately matter, right? If they clear their browser and everything, a new vault will be created next time they come back. Right. And, and so is it a perfect science? Absolutely not. Um, but what it allows you to do is let's say we're all sharing data with a brand and they realize that a certain ad or a certain experience works. Well, then they can use that rule and apply it to people that are opted out. They'll just never know it's us, right? They'll never know who we are. They're not collecting any data, but it, it basically just gives them a fighting chance when, when right now the lights go out across all other technologies. So we were pretty thrilled to get that patented and, and roll that out. Right. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. It's observing behavior through multiple sessions that are all on un all anonymous, but then can inform the future Future and it never and it never leaves tactics. the and it never leaves the consumer's browser, so the brand will never see any of that data. Wow, that's pretty fascinating. Actually. I know it's super cool to see. It's super so so super cool to see where this yeah. is all going, especially as we go into this world. I mean, I've been talking to people who, you know, work at some of the biggest, you know, Re Nielsen and IRI and all these companies that mm -hmm. have been trying to measure this data anonymously. Um, really, you know, only being able to segment it to demographics or zip codes or something like that, basic demographics, but shopping behavior and search behavior really now is the best way for us all to kind of get a sense of who each individual is within to like dive deeper into the funnel um, within those demographics that we had before. So to be able to do that anonymously is something very profound, I think, um, and something that we've never seen in this. It's something we've definitely never talked about no. with our audience. So no. this, is, this, is why this is really cool. Um, well, Bill, any parting words there? Like anything that we haven't asked you that we should have, like that helps our listener get a real sense of all the dynamics at play here? 
You know, I think I think we've covered it all. I mean, obviously, I mean, Celebris, the reason I'm here with Celebris is to to make people aware of the technology. It's been around a long time, right? Um, and it's been historically uh, based in the UK. We're publicly traded there, but you know, the the Brits are a little conservative in their marketing, so we're changing <laughs> that um, to to make people aware that there is actually a solution a out there, and there are <laughs> there are solutions out there that can help close the gaps that retailers are fighting today. Well, Bill, we are so thankful that you took the time with us today. Um, if people listening want to find out more about Celebris, they want to connect with you. Um, what's the best way for them to do that? So they can check out Celebris.com um, and they can find all kinds of information there. They can follow uh, Celebris Tech on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Um, and they can hit me up if they can't find any of that. It's at Bill Bruno on Twitter and LinkedIn. Excellent. Well, that wraps us up. Thanks to Bill Bruno for sitting down with us today. And thanks to all of you listening out there. And as always, on behalf of us here at Omnitalk, be careful. Be careful out there. 